Well, last week we kicked off this series called Satisfaction, and uh, we asked a question, simple question, are you satisfied? It's what we know. According to Forbes, only 19% of all Americans are satisfied with their job. Are you part of this 19% or are you part of the 81%? According to Gallup, only 30% of all Americans are satisfied with where the country is right now. Are you part of the 30% or part of the 70%? Are you satisfied? The iPhone 5 came out this week. Okay, honest question. Who owns an iPhone 5 right now? Come on, be proud. Be proud. Right on. There we go. Uh, I, I might have to steal that from you later. I mean, borrow it and take it forcibly. Uh, record sales. Record sales across, around the world, iPhone 5s. And I wonder, out of everyone, I won't ask you, out of everyone who purchased one, has one, did they really need a new phone? Or was it about, it's a new iPhone? Are you satisfied There's just one verse we looked at last week, found in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul uh, writes these words to this this group of people in the church located in the city of Philippi. He, He wrote this, for I have learned the secret, learned the secret to being content. The secret of it. You see, we're just not hardwired to be content people, are we? There's this drive within us. There's this desire within us. And on one side, it it is what's made America great. The land of innovation and creativity. Building blocks around the world are being forged here in America. It's what has uh, uh, driven this, this entire nation forward. But yet, sometimes that drive forward controls every facet of our life. All of us. And when I say all of us, I mean all of us have this desire to get to the land of Ur. Now, that specific land might be different, but it's still the drive to be richer or prettier, or for me, buffer, (laughs) You laughed way too loud. All right? To be smarter or more powerful er. And you can make up a whole bunch of other words. But we want to get to this land of er because we, we think, well, if we get there, then I will be content. But that's a lie, isn't it? I mean, the great theologian, Mick Jagger, said it. Right? I can't get no, but I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. You see, when we get to the land of Ur, and we stand stand on the banks of Ur, guess what we start doing? We start looking across the water, and we start staring at the island of Est. Only one person can inhabit that island. But you want to get there. You want to be the smartest, 
the richest, the most powerfulest, the buffest, the prettiest. And you think, oh, if I could get there, then I will be content. But we all know that's false. We all know it. Because once you get there, if you get there, you have to fight to stay there. Because there's always always someone else standing on the the shores of earth wanting to get where you are. You see, it's false to think we can ever truly be satisfied when we look out to all this stuff. And what Paul had learned is that there's a secret to being content, a secret to learning how to live in this life and truly live being content. And so we're going to spend several weeks looking at different aspects of all of our lives and trying to learn this secret so that we literally can live content lives. Today is going to be a difficult one. Why not? Let's start with uh, uh, one of the most difficult. Probably out of all of them we'll talk about, this will be probably one of the most uh, emotionally engaging ones. But before we just jump in there, think back with me to, to your kind of elementary school days. For some of you, that's a few years. For some of you, that's a few years times more. Think about those difficult moments as a child. What wrecked you as a kid? Uh, We had a a school uh, picnic yesterday, and Claire, my six-year-old, she's in first grade, came home, and she was devastated because one of her friends said to her, I don't want to play with you. Devastating. And I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not a girl, because us guys, we just don't play with people. We don't say it. And she was devastated. And I thought to myself, literally in that moment, she's on my lap all sweaty and nasty because she was playing outside. And I'm like, just trying to comfort her. And, and I'm like, oh, you know what? She really didn't mean she didn't want to play with you. I, yeah, she did mean that. Okay. Uh, she, she was having a bad moment. You know, I'm trying to help in that moment. And I'm like, Monday will be better. I hope Monday will be better. I found myself stumbling over like, how do I encourage that moment? Because it's just going to be constant. And then I thought to myself, I wish life could just be that simple. I wish my issues, my circumstances could be that simple. Do you remember when a a mad uh, or a bad moment was as small as that? Or, Or a hard circumstance as a kid was was when uh, you wrote a note to that, that boy or girl that you liked and you handed that note to a friend who gave that note to another friend who gave it to another friend who gave it to another friend, finally getting to the hands of the person you wanted to have it and they had two boxes, yes or no. <laughs> and you waited in anticipation. What are they going to check? What are they going to check? And finally, throughout the day, that note comes back to you and you slowly open that piece of paper and you're like, please, yes, please, yes. And if it was yes, oh, you're cloud nine. If it was no, it was devastating. If only our circumstances as adults could be that simple. Or the night before the big dance. I mean, the night before 
and that massive zit just erupts from your forehead. I mean, ladies, you least could like cover it up, kind of. Us guys were just like, well, there's a big red mark on my, there's nothing you can do about it. And you're like, no, why of all days now? Or a bad hair day that Aquanet can't fix. But we move into adulthood and those moments of circumstances of life get so much more difficult and complicated and emotionally charged, don't they? And how do we find contentment in moments of life that are so emotionally conflicting? How do we find contentment in life when literally we feel like we can't handle anymore? How do we find contentment in life You see what I know in this room today? Many of you are going through just difficult moments of life. You're trying to figure out this marriage thing. And it's just complete chaos within your house. For some of you, you're just trying to get your mind around what it means to be divorced. You find yourself sitting in in an empty house for the first time in years and years and years. If you have kids in that mix, now it's really, really complicated. And it might be your fault. It might not not be your fault. It might be a mixture of everyone's fault. Who, Who knows? It doesn't matter at this point. But you find yourself there just trying to figure out now life and the hole that's been created and all of the emotions that come with it. You never thought you'd be single again, but now here you are. For some of you, you're dreading tomorrow. You're dreading the the walk to the train station to get on a train, to spend 37 minutes if it's an express. Knowing that you're going to have to walk into work and face a job that you hate, to interact with a, a boss that has no integrity but you've worked yourself up to a point where financially you don't know what else to do. Where else can you make that type of money? Where else can you uh, have that type of security? But yet you think about your life going, I I have to do this for another five years, 15 years? Every day I have to wake up and go through this again and again and again. For some of you, One of your kids just walking down his or her own path, causing destruction all along the way. And you're sitting there going, did I cause that? Could I have been a better parent? What else could I have done? You want to help them, you want to save them, but yet you have to let go and allow them to walk down that path. And you're not sure how the story is going to end. For some of you, you're waiting on the results from the doctor. And I don't think there's anything worse than that. That waiting period to get the phone call, to hear the news. And so how do we find contentment in that season of life? How do we live in that moment? 
How do we navigate through in a, in a semi-healthy way? Today, I, I hope to maybe give you some insight into how Paul discovered the secret of contentment. You see, Paul understood this moment of life. His circumstances were different than yours, but as intense. You see, as he wrote this letter to this church in the city of Philippi, we call it a book, call it Philippians, but it's just a letter to a church that he really had a great affinity to. He really loved these people. And you can tell that through his entire letter. Paul was sitting in jail. But not only was he sitting in jail by himself, locked up, lonely, isolated, hoping that someone would bring him food because in Roman days, you didn't get three square meals a day. The only way you ate is if someone literally brought you food. But that wasn't the most intense part of his, his, his circumstance. He was going through trial. He was on trial when he was writing this letter. And there was one of two outcomes. He was either going to be found not guilty and he would walk out a free man. Or he was going to be found guilty and the punishment was death. It's so easy to, to, to jump into, a, into the Bible and read a couple verses and like, oh, that's heartwarming. Oh, that's great. But, oh. but that's different. That, that was thousands of years ago. And, and, and these authors, they really don't know what I was going through. Before we jump into chapter one today, Paul understands how difficult life can be at times. Paul understands loneliness. Paul understands isolation. Paul understands what it, what it means to not sh- be sure if you're going to have your life or if you're going to lose your life. And he still writes these words. He still writes these words and found in, in, in Philippians chapter 4 that, that he, have, he has found the secret of being content. So as we jump into these three verses today, don't just dismiss them. It'd be easy to do. Oh, he doesn't get it. Yeah, he, he got it. He was waiting to see if he was going to keep his life or lose his life. That was a circumstance Paul found himself in. So in chapter one of Philippians, he writes these words. Verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now we got to stop there. To advance the gospel, he's in jail waiting for the verdict, yet he can pull back enough and gain perspective of his circumstance and say, hey, I'm in a bad place, but there's something good going on. And that's just step one of discovering the secret of contentment when life is difficult. What are you going to do to gain perspective around 
that circumstance, that situation, that place you find yourself in. I was in high school and I really don't remember the, the exact circumstance I was going through, but it was really, really difficult and really life-altering. Probably I got a note back that had the box marked no. And, uh, but my, my dad uh, had one of these dad moments. He handed me a basketball, which was kind of hilarious because I grew up playing soccer. I, that's about the, the, the level of my basketball skills right there. <laughs> I'm kind of impressed I could do that. But he handed me a basketball. And we were out, outside in the back kind of porch area. And he said, okay, son, set this on, on your nose. And I remember in those teenage years, I'm like going, oh, come on, dad. What does dad know? I set the basketball on my nose. He goes, now tell me what, what you see. I'm like, what? He goes, tell me what you see. I'm like, oh, a basketball. He says, now take that basketball and hold it out at arm's length. He goes, now what can you see? I paused. He goes, I want you, Chris, to verbalize what you can see. I go, well, I can see the basketball. He goes, good. It's important that you keep focused on on this issue. He goes, what else can you see? I'm like, well, I looked over the basketball and to the back corner of our yard was this massive shed that he and I uh, built together. I said, I can see the shed. He goes, good. I can see the tree line of our property. He said, good. I go right over to this corner of the basketball. I see this massive wall. We'd built this, this plywood wall where I could kick the soccer ball again so it would come back to me. I go, I could see that. He goes, great. I go, man, I can see the garden. I hated the garden because green bean season, us kids sat for hours snapping green beans horrid. I need to find some green beans for my kids. <laughs> I can see the garden and the green beans. It's good. What else can you see? And he made me go through this whole experience. And what I quickly realized was I could still see the issue, but now I could see so much more. You know what Paul's saying? He said, I'm in jail, yes, but there's so much more. Yeah, this circumstance, I still can see really clearly, but there's so much more around. See, God wants you to take your circumstance, whatever that might be right now, and God's saying, Get it off your nose. Do you know how many times I've done this in my life? I mean, not physically with a basketball, because that'd be odd to carry it around with me. <laughs> but mentally, I did it this week. I just kind of hit an emotional wall. It was all good stuff, but it was all a lot of stuff. And I found myself sitting it right on my nose, and it's all I could see. I called a really good friend of mine, Jeff. And, uh, uh, I said, Jeff, how are you doing? He goes, the question is for you. How are you doing? And I paused because you want to do that, that, that natural like, great, everything's great. And I said, not, not great. And he helped me. Whew. See, God doesn't want to take your circumstance and he doesn't want to hide it from you. That's just denial. And that's not good for anyone. 
What God wants to do is take it off your nose and for you to say, okay, God, in your hands, you can do a lot with that. In God's hands, and Paul understood this, in the middle of jail, on trial, waiting for the verdict, he said, okay, God, what do you want to do with this? He goes on in verse 13. He says, as a result, that's important. Because if Paul just kept this on his nose, self-pity would set in. Selfishness would set in. He'd be consumed with himself. But he wasn't. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Think about that moment. That word clear and for Christ in the Greek are actually attached together. Translated that literally the palace guards, everyone that was working in the jail, the people coming in to visit other prisoners, the prisoners all knew why Paul was in jail. Think about the impact that Paul was having in the middle of jail. Why? Because Paul understood the secret of contentment. In all things, hand this to God. And in God's hands, there's power. In God's hands, there's purpose. In God's hands, he can take any circumstance and leverage it for his good. And as a result, people knew that something was different about Paul. As a result, people knew that 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 piece that was different about him had everything to do with his relationship with Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Now, these are always a, 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 a kind of a difficult moment in the kind of church, uh, in the church world, kind of in our relationship with God, because we kind of bounce into this, this, this thought or this question, well, so does God create bad things to happen? Or maybe you come from it from a different angle. Uh, does God allow those things to happen? And if he does, why would he allow those things to happen? But for some of you, you've asked the question, does God allow these horrible circumstances to happen in people's lives? You can bounce through the Bible. Job is the classic story. God surely allowed it even kind of help direct those circumstances to happen. You look at Joseph's story, Joseph's story in the Old Testament. His brothers sold him into slavery. That's bad. He was purchased by Potiphar. He found himself working as a slave in Egypt in a foreign land. Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife came after him 
tried to seduce him. Joseph ran. Potiphar's wife kind of twisted the story. Joseph got arrested, thrown into jail. But through the years of Joseph being in jail, he was able to make his way into Pharaoh's court and become a trusted advisor. You need to read the story if you haven't read it before. And God used those circumstances in a mighty way. Does God cause it or does God allow it? Does God purpose it? Or does God sit back? I don't know. What I do know is this. All things in God's hands for those who love him can do great things. You see, we, we, we loop into verse 14. And Paul says this, and because of my chains, because of my circumstance in jail, because of my loneliness and because of my fear and because of me waiting to to find out whether I'm going to live or die, because of all of this, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, Paul realized that because of his circumstance and because of him understanding that in his circumstance, what God could do with it, and Paul leveraging his circumstance, that now the ripple effects were going out from the jail. And other men and women were were seeing his strength and his courage, and his resolve, and his contentment. And now they've felt that they could be a voice, and they stopped fearing for the result of what they were going to share and what they were going to do in Christ's name. You see, in the middle of your circumstance... When you get this off your nose, you now can see other people who are dealing with similar issues. When you do this, you can't see anyone else except for yourself and this. But when you can stretch it out and say, okay, God, your hands you now can start seeing other people who are going through similar things as you. And God can use you and your story and your circumstance to be words of hope and encouragement and strength for their lives. That's why God can work through good through all circumstances all circumstances for those who love him. I had an opportunity this summer. I got an email from a family. And uh, uh, for some of you know my story. I've shared it, uh, I think, once uh, last fall. But uh, my wife and I, we lost our son 
six years ago. Actually, the, the date, uh, the anniversary is October 5th and 6th. I'm not sure which date, uh, but that's a whole nother story. And uh, this lady reached out to me and said, hey, Chris, I, I hear you're going to be uh, in Arizona at the same place I'm going to be. Uh, my husband and I lost um, our child six months ago. We've heard your story. Can you meet with us? I sat there staring at my computer, and I hit reply, and it was this blank email, and I so desperately wanted to type no. But I couldn't think about how I could do that in a graceful, pastoral way. I'm like, how can I say this? Like, uh. And then God just kind of said, hey, Chris, your circumstance can be there to help others. I'm like, well, God, there's other people. Tap on their shoulder, right? I didn't think I could make it through emotionally. And after what seemed like hours, I realized I had no other choice. Because God was saying, Chris, your circumstance is there for me to help other people. And I knew God was right. I didn't want him to be right. So this summer I had an opportunity to spend two hours with a couple. Uh, we, we cried for two hours. Um, I'm not sure if I was much, um, much help. But I was able to encourage I was able to affirm some of their emotions and feelings. I was able to be a sounding board because they knew I got it. They knew every word I shared wasn't some hollow response in a moment of uncomfortability. I truly got it. And as I walked out of that time together, Not only did I know that I helped them to some degree, what God did in me and through me was another step of healing for me. And I said, oh, God, I get it. When we hand you our circumstances, and we allow you to take broken people with hurts and pains and we place it in your hands what you can do to help heal other people and also heal us. Because Paul was willing to look at his circumstance place it into God's hands. Many people, many people were encouraged and strengthened to continue to share the story about Christ. Paul said later in verse 21, For me to live is Christ, 
and to die is gain. You see, in that moment, Paul understood that one of those secrets of contentment was understanding that his relationship with Christ here on this earth was to share it with everyone that he could. Because Paul understood that when he died, whether that was going to be at the hands of the Roman government or natural causes, that eternity was gain. And so he understood that his circumstance was so small. So small. Compared to his message of hope and love and grace, the message of Christ. The band's going to come back out right now. And uh, we just wanted to create a little space. Because what I understand is many of you, uh, you're not just juggling one circumstance. Someone said to me after the last hour, it's like, well, I have a whole cage of basketballs. <laughs> I don't have enough arms for them all. But in this moment, take your one or take that whole cage, get it off your nose and hand it to God because he is strong enough and he is willing and he is able and in his hands, your weakness will be strong. I just want to leave you with these words this week as you uh, roll back into probably another crazy, hectic um, world. My prayer is that you leave here with hope and encouragement to know that God wants to take you right in the space you find yourself in, in the circumstance or the circumstances that you're dealing with. And he wants to use that in such a powerful way, not only for you, but for others around you. Paul wrote these words, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for your words of hope and encouragement. Lord, I pray today for whatever circumstances that, that everyone's dealing with in this room today, that Lord, they will know that you're there to give them strength and give them hope. And to take that circumstance and to leverage it for good. In your name I pray, amen.